listening to First Church Charlotte. Today I am uh, preaching, teaching, depending on how it goes. Normally I do a little bit of both um, from this subject, why God chose healing. Why God chose healing. Uh, If you're joining us online, I want you to know that you could receive a miracle right in your uh, living room, in your kitchen, wherever you're sitting with your laptop or in front of your TV, God could give you a touch. He could heal your body. Uh, He could answer a prayer request. Healing is the most common sign in the word of the Lord manifesting who God is and what time it is spiritually. It is the kingdom, the era of the kingdom of the Lord coming here uh, to the earth. And so I want to jump right into this. I want to address this question of why God chose healing. If you look biblically, you will see in the ministry of Jesus Christ that more than any other sign, he chose healing to evidence who he is. In Galilee, Matthew chapter number four, all of these notes are available on the website if you want to download them and follow along. In Matthew chapter number four, Jesus goes to Galilee and the Bible says that he healed every sickness and disease among the people. In Mark chapter number six, he is in Judea and the Bible says that he healed them there and in uh, John chapter number number seven and also in Luke chapter number 11 Uh, and these are just a few places there's many more God uses healing to give his people a glimpse of what the kingdom of heaven will be like we are all of us believers in divine healing let me ask you this question how many of you have a testimony in your life of divine healing would you raise your hand all across the house, you have a personal testimony of divine healing. How many of you know someone, say, uh, in your family that has a testimony of divine healing? That is by far the the, the majority of you. Uh, healing is an important sign from God to us. It is an important, oft used, oft repeated sign and testimony of what God is doing and who God is. Uh, Real quickly, I want to lay a foundation so you can see a progression in the scripture. So when I make that statement, you understand the significance of it in the here and now, not just as the words of Holy Scripture, but in the here and now. So in the Old Testament, healing is used as a sign, but it is very much associated with and attached to an anointed individual that has a God-given role of leadership among the people. Moses will have miracles given to him to document, shall we say, to evidence God's anointing upon him. Pharaoh is not expected to believe simply because Moses says so. There is miraculous signs given to him uh, 
to show that he is a representative of Yahweh. It is, in the Old Testament, the sign of authority given to an individual primarily in terms of covenant leadership or the leadership of God's covenant people. In the New Testament, however, it is much broader. There is a broadening, you might say, of the river of healing in the New Testament because no longer is it simply a sign of God's authority placed in the hand of a spiritual leader. It is now a spiritual invitation of what God would like to do in the believer's life. Stay with me. In the Old Testament, it is a sign of leadership authority. It is a sign of God's anointed hand upon a person who has stature of spiritual authority, a patriarch, a priest, a prophet, a king. It is of leadership uh, authenticity, you might would say. But in the New Testament... It is not simply the sign of authenticity given to a leader. It is a spiritual invitation. And for the first time, you start hearing things like this. Greater works than these shall you do. If you have faith as a mustard seed, do you hear the invitational nature of the miraculous. It is a change. That is not the way the Old Testament language is expressed. There is still in the Old Testament the separation between our sinful nature and God's promised presence. I'll get to this in just a moment. In the New Testament, there is a change. And the unspoken invitation of God is not so much if you're a patriarch, then you'll see the miraculous. It's not so much if you are a prophet, priest, or king, you'll see the glory. It is much more like this. If you can believe as your faith is, so it will be given unto you. It is this type of spiritual quickening that is placed before the believer as if all of heaven says, whosoever will. And so it is a shifting of spiritual significance that in the New Testament, it's not just a few who demonstrate God's power, but it is the many who, if they have faith, can demonstrate God's power. But stay with me. Jesus shows who he is through the miraculous healings. When Nicodemus comes to him in John chapter number three, why is Nicodemus convinced of who Jesus is? Nicodemus says it's because of the miracles that Jesus has done. Luke, remember, the gospel writer who was also a physician, records more miracles of healing than any other of the gospel writers. I believe Luke, Luke, as a physician, had a special sensitivity to the fact that God was a healer. Luke, as a student and as a career, as an individual pursuing a career, has always desired to see people healed. And so now, having met the one who can heal, his testimony more than anyone, anyone else is of the healing power of Jesus. 
Miracles of healing are also, they are also how God shows it is the day of the kingdom. It is according to the miracle that Jesus does that the kingdom is manifest. The miracle reveals first who Jesus is, divine identity, and then it reveals what he has come to do. Let me repeat myself. First, the miraculous healing reveals who he is. Secondly, it reveals what Jesus has come to do. And so we see the miraculous healing power of Jesus as authentic claim to who he is. He has come that we might have life and have life more abundantly. This healing is more than physical. It is more than just a sickness in your body that you have faith for and God touches. It is also spiritual. It is spiritual healing. This is talked about many times in the scripture. If you download the notes, you'll have references. It also refers to emotional healing healing. We can be broken in ways that we struggle to define. Most of us are just a little bit crazy except for the rest of you who are a whole lot crazy. Now, in my case, my side of the family is a little bit crazy, and my wife's side of the family is a whole lot crazy. Uh, That's how that works. I didn't get any laughs. That's okay. I thought it was funny anyway. Um, We all of us are either a little bit crazy or a whole lot crazy. We can be broken emotionally. We can be broken psychologically in a way that we cannot even express, but we can see how we tend to make a similar set of mistakes. We go down a similar... We fall down the same set of stairs, so to speak. And we get to this point where we realize that I am in some way that I struggle to describe I am broken. I want you to know whether it's spiritual, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, or whether it is mental, God is your healer. More than anything else, he has chose healing as the evidence to give truth to who he is and what he wants to do. This is not just in his ministry. This is also in the testimony of the church, that first century church, where healing becomes the most common sign of divine anointing, of all the signs that God uses. And there are There are many. Of all of them, healing is the most common sign, and we must ask ourselves, why would God use healing more than anything else? The New Testament church looked for healing as a sign of God's favor. When there was the great challenge to the New Testament church of whether or not Gentiles would allow to become believers in the same manner as Jews. This caused a huge, it's easy for us to rush past it because we're all the Gentiles. Um, But this was the first real crisis uh, that almost split the church apart. And uh, when they met in Acts chapter number 15 to try to figure out what to do when various ones stated their positions and they made their arguments after uh, they had made their arguments, there was 
there's this silence. This is chapter 15, verse number 12. After the last of them had spoke, all of the assembly fell silent. And then they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they told what? What did Barnabas and Paul tell? They told testimonies of the signs and wonders that God had done among the Gentiles. What was the New Testament church looking for? For a sign of God's anointing, God's power, God's blessing, God's presence. They were looking for the miraculous. How, by far, was the miraculous most often presented? It was presented through healing, miraculous works of healing. I want you to know today we are still looking for the miraculous healings among us. I am praying that this church would be a house of testimony that God can fix your brokenness. God doesn't just need some perfect person somewhere. God is in the business of taking brokenness, and when he is done with it, there is a testimony of healing. Healing is powerful. It's more powerful than theological argument. It's stronger than your own personality inclination. Why, why, why? Because you can stand on the infallible proof of your own testimony. I don't know about that, and I don't know about that, but this is what I know. I once was blind, but now I see. We are not against uh, what medicine can do. We are not against what doctors can do. There is no scripture in the Bible that is correctly interpreted to lead anyone uh, into the habit of uh, not going to the doctor because that is uh, doubt. The doctor is not working in the supernatural and he is not competing with the supernatural. Therefore, he or she is not the enemy of the supernatural. There's not one doctor that has any sense that claims to be able to make your body heal. All they can do is help your body heal. And if your body will not heal, then they are at the limit of what they can do. Whenever there is the inexplicable, I have yet to meet a doctor who will not quickly admit they do not know what just happened. It doesn't seem to be something that should have happened. They do not know what just happened. As a result, we as believers do not need to fear using medicine. Uh, We, however, should fear thinking that medicine can do what only God can do. Because God can heal the physical body, yes. God can heal the physical body, yes. But God can also heal the broken spiritual man or woman inside. God can heal the emotionally crushed individual. God can heal the mentally broken soul. And so in this contest, stay with me, in this contest between heaven and earth, in this kingdoms of war that happen in the spiritual plane, there is the manifestation that happens as testimony in the physical. And God has chosen healing as the continuing sign of what he can do. We understand 
understand theologically that sickness and death are consequences of the fall. Lots of scriptures for this there in your notes. We understand that Satan was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. We understand that. We understand that there can be a link between the physical and the spiritual. I want to very quickly give you uh, some understanding, some things that are uh, principles you can apply in your life uh, that can help you uh, be more effective in your, in your faith. There is a very common argument on the subject of healing on whether or not it is always the will of God to heal. Uh, if you were to look on any of the websites that serve as collections of debate or collections of theological uh, presentation on the subject, you will find by far, I know because I spent a week doing it, by far the biggest argument is whether or not it is always the will of God to heal or whether sometimes God chooses not to heal. And there is a surprisingly large following in the community uh, of faith. And I respect the people. uh, I respect their faith. I respect their willingness to put themselves out there. uh, And I do not in any regard want them to feel like they are my enemy uh, or I am against them. But they have a need to believe it is always the will of God to heal. Now, personally, I have to be biblical about these things uh, because I have to sleep at night. And um, I can't sleep at night if I just do what you said I should do. I have to be I have to be biblical and by being biblical I can have some peace with God because I'm going to be judged by the scripture. Uh, you're not going to judge me, I'm not going to judge you. Uh, there's not any group, there's not any institution, there's not any organization. Uh, there's no mentoring team. None of these things are going to judge us. We are going to have to stand upon the word of God. Can I have the big first church amen and looking biblically you can see that the Lord does not always choose to heal Um, I do not want to fight over this I just want to be clear about it uh, so we can move past it and perhaps not have it come up later Um, in the Old Testament Moses asked God to heal Miriam and God eventually did but he waited a distressingly long time to make a point in order to do that. Ahaziah in uh, the the second book of Kings, he is refused healing, although he asks. In the New Testament, Paul leaves uh, hmm, Trophimus, I'm sorry, I'm having pronunciation issues today. Trophimus sick in Miletus in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and then he goes on to confess his own affliction that God has not chosen chosen to heal him over, and then confesses that his son in the faith, Timothy, has a continuing affliction, and uh, he should drink some wine for his uh, irritable bowels or something uh, very similar uh, to that. Yes, you can say God does not give
give bad things to his children, and I agree with that. But I do not believe that everything that comes to us is given to us by God. I believe there is a better way to approach healing than with a constraint that says God has to do it. God is God, and the rest of us serve him and not the opposite. And so having said that, I want to admit it, because I'm going to come around to it in a moment, that God may or may not heal that admitted, I want to reiterate this truth, God uses healing more than any other sign in the scripture to say who he is, to identify what he is doing, and to establish that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. When God wants to awaken someone more than any other sign, he sends healing among them. When God wants to make a point more than any other sign, he sends healing among them. Lord Jesus, I'm praying you would send healing among your people. I'm praying that you would send it among the aisles and the rows and the seats of this church. I pray you would let healing work among our ministry team. I pray that as a people, our prayers of intercession would have a spiritual effectiveness to them, not to manipulate you or force you, but to activate the promises of God among your people. In Jesus' name I pray, and can the church say amen. There are four things we can do to hinder healing among us. This isn't my opinion. It is my opinion, but that's not why it's true. Uh, It's true. Why? Because it is biblical. The first thing that can hinder healing among people of faith is unconfessed sin. Now, no one gets excited when you preach about unconfessed sin. I'm waiting for that day when I say unconfessed sin and someone leaps to their feet and says, I'm the sinner. Uh, It hasn't happened yet, and I probably shouldn't invite it. Yeah. I'm so glad you admitted to that, brother, because we all knew it. No, <laughs> uh, You understand what I'm saying? Uh, it's not something that we're too excited about, but unconfessed sin can serve as a barrier between you and God. Uh, let me give you another scripture that's directly related to this. Uh, you may not think it at first, but once you put it together, you will understand. When do we have confidence with God? When do we have confidence with God? When When our conscience does not condemn us, when our conscience does not condemn us, the epistle writer says, then we have confidence with God. Unconfessed sin can stop the sign of who God is, how he cares, and what time it is spiritually in his kingdom. James chapter number five, verse number 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Confession is an important part of experiencing the sign of divine healing in our uh, life. Um, However, there is an opposite error. Remember, most spiritual errors are fairly represented by uh, road, and there's ditches on both sides of the road. And if you go too far to one side or too far to the other, you can end up on uh, opposite ditches. So on one hand, unconfessed sin 
can keep us from receiving miracle as a divine sign. So we want to have a humble heart and a repentant spirit. Amen. That's good preaching. On the other hand, we cannot assume that because a person has not received their healing that they have unrepentant sin in their life. It is a terrible spiritual habit. Let me say it this way. It's terrible spiritual hygiene to be in the business of deciding who among us has hidden sin in their life. The Lord is the judge and when the Lord is done working with them, the Lord will reveal it. So I'll say this to all of us, from myself to the vestibule, if we have hidden sin in our life and it has not been revealed, it's because the Lord is working with us like a loving father. Okay, that's what is happening in your life. You are not dealing with the consequences of that revealed sin. You are not dealing with the pain of that revealed sin because the Lord is gently dealing you, dealing with you like a father. However, you cannot think that God does not care and you have to go to prayer and you have to confess that sin and you have to say what? Lord, heal me. It's not enough for me to say no. I want to lose the desire for that sin. I want to be healed in my spirit. So we cannot be in the business of deciding. Uh, They haven't received their healing. That means they have a secret sin. No, that is folly. And we cannot be the friends of Job and go around judging other people. Secondly, uh, the second way we can hinder healing biblically is we can hinder healing by failing to ask for it. Ask, seek, knock is our spiritual principle. Somebody say spiritual principles. Go again is a spiritual principle. It's not just how hard-headed people live life. Now, I hope you have a little bit of a hard head. I hope you're tough. I hope you don't give up at the first sign of trouble. I hope you ask and you seek and you knock, but it's more than a function of your personality. It is a spiritual principle where I ask and I ask and I ask and I say, do you see a cloud? And they say, no. And I say, go again. And I ask and I add, there is a spiritual principle to fighting for your faith where you ask for divine healing in your life. The second part of this is similar. We can become so comfortable in our reality that we let that pain, that illness, that sickness define us and give us identity. We're no longer a man who is sick. We are now the sick man. And the best teaching uh, example of this in the scripture is Jesus at the pool of Bethesda where he meets this man who has sat by the pool for 38 years and he asks him a very troubling question that is deep with spiritual understanding. Would you like to be made whole? You see, you've been here long enough that it could be an identity for you. You may, you may rather stay in a comfortable identity than have your whole life upended by change. And the man says correctly, oh, I want to be healed. Don't mistake the fact that I'm stuck here for the fact that I want to be stuck here. 
I feel like I'm preaching to somebody right now. I might be preaching to somebody online right now. Don't be, don't be like, uh, <laughs> let's learn from the man at the pool of Bethesda. Just because I'm stuck here doesn't mean I want to be stuck here. And the Lord says, will you be made whole? And what does he say? Yes. And he receives his healing. Don't let your trouble define you. Don't let your sickness identify you. Don't let your suffering be the end of your story. Take up your bed and walk. The third thing that can hinder healing is that we fail to surrender our circumstance to God's purpose. Earlier I talked about the struggle with whether or not it's always the will of the Lord to heal and uh, how I have found myself several times in conversations with people I love very much and they could not back down off that. It felt like an admission of faith um, and I wanted so much to show them a slightly different way to have strong faith. Faith isn't made strong because you stick to some position. Faith is made strong through spiritual surrender. Let me say that a different way. You will have more faith after you surrender your circumstance to God than you will when you stand before God with gritted teeth saying, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. No, God doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't even have to pay taxes, and he's not going to die. Aren't you glad about that? I want you to see something different. You can have just as strong faith. Moreover, you could have stronger faith by taking it and surrendering it to God. How do you do that? You say, Lord Jesus, if there is a miracle, I'm asking for it. If there is deliverance, I am praying for it. If you are doing something else, though, that I cannot perceive, if you're using this for a testimony in someone else's life, if you're setting me up to be a signpost of your love to someone you want to save. God, I want you to know I surrender my life to you. I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my sickness to you. I surrender my pain to you. If you can use this in some way to bring testimony to your kingdom, then use me as a sign of your kingdom. But until you say otherwise, I believe in for healing. Until you say otherwise, I'm believing for the miraculous. I'm looking for a sign. Do you see how that can make your faith stronger, not weaker? This principle is so powerful. We are given a specific image in the scripture of Jesus himself doing that, saying, I don't want to do this. If there's another way, then let's do plan B. But if there's something you know that I don't know, and it has to be this way, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That is the path to greater faith. I will always believe submission is a stronger path to faith than demand or dominion. You stand upon submission. God, you know the way that I take. You love to use healing as a sign. So I'm here asking again today, would you touch my need? Heal my body. Heal this land. And finally, lastly, I'm going to get to the reason that most of us get to first. 
And this is the reason that can drive you crazy. You can hinder the miraculous, you can hinder healing by not having enough faith. But that's not where you should start. Why? Because faith is something that is emergent within your relationship with God. It's not a formula that you can drum up. It's not an abracadabra. It's not kill a chicken and throw the blood on the runes. It is nothing of formula. It is not a spirit you can summon. It is something that emerges within a relationship. I will say this, the closer you get to God, the easier faith will well up within you. The closer you walk to his presence, the quicker you will be to look at someone and say, God can heal you. The more you celebrate his promise and the more you live within his presence, the more natural it will be for you to say to somebody, I just feel like I should pray for you. Faith is not something you can hold your mouth right How many of you went fishing as a little kid and your grandfather or your uncle told you you weren't catching fish because you weren't holding your mouth right? That happened to me repeatedly. I guess I was a gullible child. Whatever we were doing, I was told by an older brother or an uncle, my dad was a Christian, he was the only one in the family, uh, an older brother or an uncle that uh, I was doing something wrong. And I, I kid you not, I one time was told that if I would hold my mouth like this, I would get more, and like a six-year-old kid, I'm out there trying to catch fish with my mouth held like that. It did not work. I repeat, hear verily, behold, and uh, various curse words. It does not work. We can put ourselves in a situation of spiritual frustration because we're thinking we're, we think we're failing in some type of a magical saying. It's not like that. It is emergent in your relationship with God. And if you're struggling with the reason why you have not received a demonstration of healing, you should not start with the problem of faith. You should start with going back. Is there unconfessed sin in my life? That is something you can do something about. Secondly, am I not asking for it? That, dear friend, is something you can do something about. At the rising of the sun, I'm going to say I'm believing for a miracle. And at the going down of the same, I'm going to say I'm believing for a miracle. I can make it a part of blessing my food. Good Lord, good meat, good food, good meat, dear Lord, let's eat. And I'm believing for a miracle. You can make it a part of your now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. Or as my little girl says, now I lay me down to sleep. I praise the Lord my soul to keep. And we won't tell her it's wrong because we think it's so cute. She's near six years old and she's saying, now I lay me down to sleep. I praise the Lord my soul to keep. We've been praising the Lord to keep them souls for a very long time. You can... You can do something about how much you ask. You can do something about how much you knock. You can do something about how much you seek. Don't start with, do I have enough of the magical incantation? No, start, is there unconfessed sin in my life? Secondly, am I asking for it? Thirdly, have I surrendered it to God? Is it okay for God to be God? 
If it's not, you are resisting the kingdom of heaven. Let it be okay for God to be God. I promise you, you'll discover something. After you have dealt with sin in your life, after you've learned how to ask and seek and knock, and after you've learned how to surrender your circumstance to God, you won't have less faith. You, for the first time in your life, might have more faith because faith is going to arise out of a relationship with God. All right, so I've given you this hopefully fascinating journey through various scriptural paths to understanding healing in our lives. And now uh, I'm almost done, and I want you to, I want to try to answer to you this question of why God chose healing. Why God chose healing. What do we know? We know that whether it is in the ministry of Jesus or it is in this story of the New Testament church, healing is the most common sign of divinity. More than any other sign, more than any other illustration, it is healing. Healing is the sign that God has chosen to demonstrate himself, to authenticate his heart, what he's doing as a savior, to demonstrate his redemptive purpose and to manifest his kingdom. He has chosen healing more than any other sign. Okay? Why? I believe healing teaches us a lesson that is repetitive and simple. I believe it is consistently a reminder in our lives in the same manner that sacrifice is the consistent reminder in the Old Testament. So let me first try to deal with sacrifice and then I'm going to deal with healing. Why would God use sacrifice as the lesson that the Old Testament individual received at every connection or touch of God? What do I mean by that? If they had any interaction with the religious structure, the worship structure of their day, they had to be a part of a sacrifice offering. Whether they were high or whether they were low, whether they were uh, priestly or whether they were a lay believer, whether they were a leading member or the, the lowest of the low, they had to offer sacrifice. Being a king did not free you from sacrifice. Being a priest did not relieve you from sacrifice. No matter who you were, no matter where you came from, you had to offer sacrifice. You could not say, I'm poor, I can't afford a sacrifice. There were sacrifices for the very poor that cost almost nothing. That's where a turtle dove type of a sacrifice was part of the the Old Testament worship structure. Uh, if you were wealthy, you might would offer oxen. That would be a sign of wealth. And indeed, if you were a king or a leader, you might offer many oxen. But there was no path where you were 
part of covenant with Yahweh where you did not have sacrifice put in front of you as lesson after lesson after lesson after lesson. Any interaction you had with the institutions of the day, if you went to a feast day, what would happen? A sacrifice would be made. If you went to a wave offering, what would happen? A sacrifice would be made. If you just dropped in to volunteer and help clean the temple, what would happen? There would be a morning sacrifice and there would be an evening sacrifice. If the crowds were there, there would be a sacrifice. If the crowds weren't there, there would be a sacrifice. It was the lesson that must be repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated by everybody everywhere. And what is God trying to say with sacrifice? Sacrifice is a lesson of this truth. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, you need redemption. This is the lesson of sacrifice. If you're the king or if you're the pauper, you need redemption. If you're the high priest or you're stuck outside the gate because you're unclean, you need redemption. There is no path to wholeness and oneness with God where there is not a spiritual covering that is applied to your life. It's not just for the sinners to offer sacrifice. You can claim you don't know of a single sin. You can be like the rich young ruler and say, hey, I kept it from my very youth. Doesn't matter if you think you need it. You have to offer sacrifice. This is how the law was a schoolmaster. And if you have an image of a stern schoolmaster, the kind who wraps you across the knuckles with a ruler, that's exactly the kind that you will see represented uh, by the Apostle Paul and by the author of the book of Hebrews. A stern schoolmaster who teaches you one lesson over and over and over and over and over. You need redemption. You need redemption. You can't fix yourself. You can't be good enough. You can't be right enough. You can't be high enough. You can't be rich enough. You need redemption. Are you wealthy? You need redemption. Are you poor? You need redemption. And this lesson is repeated and repeated and repeated until a day comes where the perfect Lamb of God is lifted between heaven and earth and there nails through his hands a crown of thorns on his head, a back that is shredded by a whip. He hangs there between heaven and earth Uh, offering on an altar a lamb slain for the sins of the world. And once there is divine covering, it's a different lesson that you need. Why? (laughs) Because now... A perfect sacrifice has been offered. Now what you could never have, redemption, has been accomplished. And if the princes of this world had known what was going to happen, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. This is why, stay with me, sacrifice is not the same in the New Testament as it was in the Old Testament because now there is a perfect sacrifice. There is a perfect altar. There is a perfect sacrifice. There is a perfect high priest. There is a perfect offering. And there is a perfect mediator. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Between God and man, you need a different lesson now. Because there is a covering that's available. What is the lesson you need now? 
What is the thing that is most commonly used to teach you, to show you? What is the reality of the human experience? I can't fix myself. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. Your doctor can't fix you if your body won't fix. You need healing. Doesn't matter if you're a celebrity. It doesn't matter if you're a nobody. You need healing. It doesn't matter if you're broken in body, mind, soul, spirit, emotionally, intellectually. It doesn't matter. You need healing. You will never arrive at a place of such completion where healing will not you know, uh, kind of knock on your door and say, wouldn't it be better if you could be healed? You know what the lesson that healing teaches us, whether it's body, soul, or spirit, you know what that lesson is that is repeated in our lives? Only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus. I'm broken in my mind, only Jesus, only Jesus. Remember what it was in the Old Testament? You need redemption, you need redemption, you need redemption in the New Testament, it's only Jesus. Only Jesus. When he shows up, he heals everybody. Why? Only Jesus is the one who can heal. Whatever you face, healing is the continual lesson that heaven has chosen to demonstrate who God is, what he wants to do in you, and what time it is spiritually. There's never been a human, musicians, you can come. There's never been a human who has ever lived who had their life so organized that they did not find a day, an evening, a morning, a night where they wanted to say, I need help. Because healing teaches us the continual lesson in our life. Only Jesus, only Jesus. And I pray for healing in your life. So you will quit looking to everything else as the source of hope for you. Wherever you're watching this, I pray for healing in your life. So you'll quit thinking the right health insurance will help you sleep at night. It won't. You'll quit thinking the right career will make you fulfilled. It won't. There is a New Testament lesson that's going to be repeated in your life. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. I need healing in my body. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. I have broken relationships in my life and I don't know how to fix it. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. I have estranged children in my life and I don't know what's going on. We're not speaking. They hate me and I don't even know why. Let me tell you what you need. Only Jesus. Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus. Healing stands before you in the same manner sacrifice stood before the Old Testament. And sacrifice told them they needed redemption. Healing tells you, you are complete in Jesus. Call upon his name. Call upon his name. In your circumstance, speak the name of Jesus. Remove everything that would hinder. Remove everything that would stop healing and realize that he is looking for the healing to demonstrate who he is, what he wants to do, and what time it is spiritually in this generation. Church, would you stand with me all across the house? I believe that there is 
opportunity for healing in your life. I believe that as a statement of, 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 of both my own conviction and of a spiritual theology, Might you might say. I believe God is looking for the, the circumstance in your life that serves as irrefutable proof, an irrefutable sign of who he is. I wonder if you, I wonder, I wonder if, how many of you could admit that there's a situation that you know if it is fixed, it is going to absolutely be a sign of what God can do because you will not be able to fix it yourself. Would you raise your hand all across the house if you have that testimony in your life? There's a situation that if it gets fixed, it's going to be a sign from God. It's not going to be me figuring it out. It's going to be a sign from God. I want us, oh Lord, let our faith be strong right now, Lord Jesus. Let our faith be strong. Let this church be a celebration of spiritual healing, oh God. If there's anything in our life that is hindering us, we need to deal with that. Otherwise, our our faith will be more frustration than faith. Uh, We need to deal with that. We, We need to repent of hidden sin. We need to confess it to the Lord, and we need to confess it one to another. You need to be wise in that, and you need to pick someone spiritually stronger than you. I'm always moved when people are so determined in their choices that they're going to make a change and they, they do it. They don't just talk about it. They do it and they, they go to a leader, a pastor, someone who they can they have a trust relationship with and they make confession. I believe that is the single most important sign of real desire to change of any sign there is. If you will make confession to someone you trust as spiritual leadership, it is the strongest sign that you can have in uh, your life, I believe. That's what I believe. If there is some hindrance there, remove it, okay? But rather than asking yourself, do I have enough faith? Let's, let's, Let's let that emerge from our relationship with God and let's make sure that we're asking and seeking and knocking, okay? We can control that. And let's make sure we are surrendering it to God to use however he wants to use. He doesn't have to use the way we want to use. That's ideal, of course, from our perspective. But that's not what we're saying. We're saying thy will be done. Out of that can come faith. Would you be the, would you make that confession to the Lord right now of that situation in your life? As, As our worship team begins to lead us in worship, I'd like you to take some time right now and begin to make confession of that need. I have, and in my family, we have some family members who are very sick and in the hospital. I'm going to speak for them right now. But I want you to speak for the need that's in your life. Would you do that with me right now? Lord Jesus, we are praying, Lord God, for divine intervention. Not simply, not simply for uh, the needs of our own heart and life, but that, of course, but more than that, the sign of heaven, the sign of the kingdom of God among us. I'm praying, Lord, for for Ron. I'm praying, Lord, for uh, Annette. I'm praying for little Olivia, Lord Jesus. They need heaven's touch upon them right now. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would heal them and demonstrate your glory to that church. And I pray you would demonstrate your glory to all of Ron's friends in the medical profession. I'm praying that the hospital would know the testimony of what you have done, Lord God, because it reveals who you are. It reveals what you are doing. It reveals your kingdom. Let it work among us, I pray, O God. Every need that is being spoken right now all across this house, I'm praying today 
for heaven's intervention. I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that you would show yourself to be a healer in our lives. We are testimonies of that, and we are continuing to look for the signs of your anointing, your power, your healing. We are looking for the the bomb of Gilead to flow in our hearts and in our lives in Jesus' name. That's right. Lift your voice right. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. A church that is seeing the miraculous is able to stir excitement in a manner that no amount of Bible study will ever stir. Now, that isn't my opinion. That's the story of the book of Acts. A church that is seeing the miraculous can stir excitement and direct and gather attention of people Uh, because the story of humankind is brokenness that's the power of the sign of healing human brokenness is the ground from which the sign of healing can grow and so in our brokenness becomes this this opportunity for God to work and that's what I want to see in uh, in my life and I want you to see in your life the testimony of healing is so powerful especially when it is relatable if if you have a, a, a you guys who have come through with a continuing touch of the Lord where the Lord has kept you Maybe it wasn't an instantaneous thing. Don't low rate that testimony in your life. Here's the reason why. Most people can relate to that. Do you see what I'm saying? If you have a dramatic testimony, we love that. And it's easy to be to share that and be vocal about that because it's so amazing. Yes, but a lot of people don't. It's almost it's almost as though it's not quite as relatable. As, as when the Lord keeps you day after day and he protects you week after week and he buoys your confidence month after month and you find looking back you were not all alone in the troubles of your life but God was with you all along the way that is a powerful testimony Many of you, you guys know that I'm a cancer survivor. I mention it fairly frequently because it's my testimony. Um, But I was one of those who the Lord kept. Uh, I did not have a moment where I went and all my scans were, all my scans were, were in some manner like clean. That happened over time. I went through the process of what medicine could do. And then I hit bottom where I, the doctor said in the, and he said this, I had pneumonia really, really bad. And he said, look, there's nothing we can do. We can give you oxygen and you're either going to live or die. That's where we're at in your treatment. And um, I, it's kind of a surreal moment to find myself in. But there's so many of those testimonies among us. I could start section by section to hear testimonies of how God kept you, how God protected you, how God brought you through. You might have the kind of testimony where God gave you strength to fix something. That's a relatable testimony. You may be someone who came through addiction and it was a slow grind, but guess what? You're still here. That's a relatable testimony. I would, you understand what I'm saying? You have the evidence of God's healing in your life. Whether it was immediate or whether it took time, it is God's fingerprint upon you. Just as our healing was marks upon him, 
stripes upon his back, his healing is marks upon us. And we bear his fingerprints where he kept us and strengthened us. I want to tell somebody who you feel like you're barely holding it together. I'm, I'm here to tell you, the Lord is with you. You are not alone. Do not let the cascade of emotion convince you God is not with you. You have him with you. Just because you did not receive something in a dramatic way of somebody you heard or a friend does not mean God is not with you. Surrender it to God. Say, I don't care how you do it. You do it your way. You are on God and I'm the one with problems. I'm the broken person down here. But I surrender it to you however you choose. Heal me, oh God. Heal my mind. Heal my broken heart. Heal my broken body. Heal this troubled spirit. Heal my inability to sleep. Heal the addictions that are ravaging within me. Heal the chronic disease that I am at risk of learning to just accept. Let me keep asking. Let me keep expressing. We are living witnesses and testimonies that God is is our healer. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals me. Say it with me, somebody. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals me. Oh, I'm going to say it again. You can say it with me if you want to. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals me. Put your hands together. Lift your voice in praise to God. Let's give him glory in this house before we're dismissed. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.